0: This is the Second Golden Age podcast And I'm your host, Safiya Sabreen
1: I'm Faisal Amjad And the Second Golden Age is a series of articles, courses, videos and well, podcasts uh, Centred around the Quran of science And looking at reviving the spirit of the First Islamic Golden Age And how we can use this knowledge to change and impact the world today Inshallah Inshallah
0: So in our research, when we were preparing material for the second golden age, we found how the Quran was instrumental, like central in all of the aspects of the Muslim world at that time. Culture, science, technology, Mm. philosophy, you name it. And the the conclusion that we got to was that if we need to revive, uh, you know, what it means to be a Muslim in this age, it has to be through the Quran. It has to be through the revival of that mindset that people had in that age towards the Quran. How did they approach the Quran? So with that, I'm going to start with a quote. It's actually a, a, an ayat from the Quran where Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says in Surah Nahal, he says, uh, and we sent down to you the book, which is the Quran, as a clarification, an explanation, tibiyanan, is to clarify, is to explain, a clarification of everything and a guidance and mercy for those who are Muslims, who submit. So mm-hmm. the Quran essentially is saying that the Quran, you know, Allah is describing the purpose of the Quran being an explanation, a clarification of all things and we're going to be talking more on this as in how is the quran a clarification and explanation of everything you mean everything as in politics Mm. economics modern world everything
1: yeah absolutely i mean what i take what i take from it is the fact that you know if we even just take this as our starting point if this is our inherent belief that means that the quran is first all it's a timeless book so everything from history until the very end of time it's got an explanation for. And and what that also means is that it's a book that is not just a book of spirituality. It's not just a book of, oh yeah, you know, you can read it and get close to Allah. It's actually a book to help you to guide your way of thinking and your way of life and, and absolutely everything that, that kind of falls in between that.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. So in this episode, what we're going to do is we're actually going to discuss somebody who has made this idea the idea that the quran is an explanation clarification for all things from the time of the prophet peace be upon him till the end of time we're going to take somebody a scholar who actually took this as his basic philosophy his basic methodology so i'm speaking about uh shaykh imran hussein and we're going to talk about how he i mean through all of his work if we can get a few things out from all of his work is that he embodies this idea, this message that the Quran explains everything. If you need to understand, let's say, uh, you know, modern tech, and, or you need to understand the modern, uh, le- let's say, the economic situation right now,
1: mm. you're
0: going to find a very, um, you know, literally an amazing and interesting answer in the Quran, in your study of the Quran. Yeah, I, I think
1: this is the thing. Uh, I think uh, with the sheik saying it, Uh, He's obviously sort of fairly well known, Um, but I'm not sure if he's like fully mainstream that everyone heard of him. Like they might have heard of Hamza Yusuf, for example. But at the same time, um, there's people. I think he's someone who, at the moment, who's um, people either love him or they sort of scared of him, or they don't really, they don't really, they're fearful and stuff. And a lot of it is because not of what they sort of know, it's maybe because of what they've heard, right? It's because oh. you know, oh, he's uh, the guy that talks about the end times and all of these different things. But for, for me, it's not, uh, and, and obviously the end times is all doom and gloom and all that kind of stuff. I and mean, we want very few good Islam, don't we, in this kind of day and age that we live in. But I think that um, when you, we, we have to look at baseball I really, really believe in basic philosophies, basic principles can, can kind of guide our way. And ultimately, uh, what I think Shif has done more than anyone else is, to set out a framework to set out look this is exactly how the quran um not only um you know explains things it also has given us a the tools that we need to actually apply some of that stuff instead of and so what what that allows us to do is to think for ourselves and you know not to just outsource our our intellect oh yeah let's just follow this scholar or this scholar they'll tell us what to do Uh, ultimately we've done that for too long and so So I think, and I think that when we when we talk about the second World age, obviously we talk about the scholars of the past and how, why they were amazing. And you know, a lot of the things that we discover is that they were obviously polymaths, right? So they were they weren't just amazing in terms of science or engineering or things like that. They were were actually grounded in the Quran, right? And so and so and so it's you know one of the first things when you, if you're looking at reviving uh, that kind of time and you know is okay, well how what did they do? And if they were granted in the Quran, maybe there's something there that we should think about you know
0: absolutely I mean if we I mean if we are to understand you mentioned uh, scholars and you mentioned the scholars of the past, you know if you could understand, I would say scholars are of two types they're ones, and many are like that, uh, belong to that category. what they do is you go to an institution, you learn and w- when you come out of that institution, you have enough skills to sort of repeat all of what you've said and you yes. regurgitate whatever has been mm. said. And that's what you do. So yeah. mostly you find scholars who are of that opinion. So you mm. ask them about mm. X, Y, Z, and they'll just say what Imam Ghazali said, what X, Y, Z said, yeah. and what whatever. So basically all of those opinions that have been uh, discussed in the past, very few scholars. There are very few. You can literally in this time, you can maybe in previous times, you could have a lot of those, uh, that kind of a scholarship. But in this time, you have just a few who can give you solutions to like the problems of today. And they, what they do, part of their methodology is taking the rich tradition from the past and then sort of using their insight to present solutions. You don't have many of those. For me, yes. Sheikh Mran sent somebody who, I mean, his main, uh, many people, you know, uh, you discuss how people are, either they like him or they're re- really sort of wary of him, scared of him, what's he talking about? But. uh, We have to realize if you sort of boil down all of his uh, methodology or his philosophy, his number one rule is that he insists that the Quran essentially, the miracle of the Quran is that till the end of time, it has to explain everything. It explains everything. It's there. It's right Mm. there. The fact that scholars are not doing that is not because it's not in the Quran, but it's because they don't have the tools or they don't have the methodology to do so. So this is a very important, uh, you know, side of his work. His personality, I would say, is where he differs from. Like for me, I was amazed. Like, how can somebody? The first time I heard him speak was, how can somebody actually take the Quran and, you know, talk about? like um imf the international monetary <laughs> fund mm. how can somebody do that with nato you know with with, with things absolutely. that are happening the arab spring that's so modern mm. you know and that that is part of the miracle of the prophet and the quran that here you have a book that's 1400 years old but it's mm. discussing issues that are like so you know so new and so uh sort of contemporary for us
1: absolutely and <laughs> You know, there's a, f- a few things that sort of come to mind. I'll uh, say so I'm, I'm someone who is really fortunate enough to have spent uh, quite a lot, you know a lot of time with him. I've, I've you know hosted him for events. I've been to see him kind of you know, as home and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the the thing that uh, there's this one really really interesting story that he kind of t- uh, he relates. He said that even in his own kind of uh, history and growing up and stuff, he said that uh, he went uh, he, he found uh, his own teacher the he obviously he always you know uh, reveres him and talks about him a lot. He basically came and did a talk in Trinidad, which is where Sheikh comes from. And that talk basically he goes, it just blew him away because he talked about the, uh, Islam in a very modern uh, context. He talked about Islam and science, I think actually. And he goes like that, and he goes that. Like, so I was uh, I was hooked. I was, I need to find someone who I need to find you know someone who speaks like this. So I was told Allah Al Azhar is the place to go right so he goes i signed up and went to al-azhar but i didn't find that brilliant scholarship there which is which is crazy because you know, that's what we think we think al-azhar is the center of all islamic you know uh, the height of intellect anyway so he was. Oh. i then attracted him down and discovered that he's from a institute in pakistan called the Alimi institute in karachi right and so he obviously he sort of you know he he begged and you know, he, got, he got himself kind of as enrolled as a student and uh so obviously he was, he was fortunate enough to kind of go through it but you go that one thing i noticed was that was really really different so again the quran was the foundation and but um and, and he you go that you that look oh, oh, i'd realized that the limitations of other let's say institutes or dar and things like that was that they believed that islam um it can't be built upon like it's it's been it's given us in a perfect form and like that, that and to innovate or to bring new interpretation is that's that's a big no-no and all that kind of stuff they think it's a static thing i you know how we have in in the rest of the world we talk about person, you know, in personal development we talk about fixed mindset and growth mindset all that kind of stuff um he was he, but he was that in this place it was encouraged that no, no no you need to keep thinking like you weren't chastised for asking questions you were, you know and he goes i was always debating and, and making things difficult because you know we were constantly encouraged to think and then what he goes that even better than that was that fact that we were told about subjects like the philosophy of science and history and all of these things because only understanding the wider context, then the, 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 the Quran then allow you to then start connecting the dots between subjects, etc., etc. et cetera. And um, so that, I wanted to just give you a little bit of that background and context because then um, what it led to was really, really interesting. So he did that. So as I went back to my country, uh, to, uh, I applied for a job with the foreign office, so foreign ministry, become a diplomat. So, Alhamdulillah, obviously, because of his, you know, intellect and grades and all kinds of, stuff, they, they, he got, he got the job. But they said, okay, well, you haven't got a background in international relations or economics. You need to go off and study. So they sent him to, you know, their place, and he goes at uh, this. I got here to this sort of graduate school, and everyone was, you know, suited and booted. You know, um, American and English graduates uh, from the London School of Economics and Harvard and all this type of stuff. And so they all like looked down on me. Oh, who is this, who is this Pakistani uh, guy with a Pakistani education? And, and who is this guy with, uh, who's actually a religious scholar? He's a scholar of religion. Like, they looked down on me and they underestimated me and stuff. Um, by the way, I think your, your mic's gone off, I think. Your audio? You can't hear me? Oh, no, I can hear you. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, yeah so anyway, so that's what it is. And, and so, what, um, and so but here's what, what, was, what was interesting is that over the course of the year, um, I'd never studied any of this stuff before. But because I took the Quran into the classroom, I had a step up on on, on everyone. So I was able to understand, okay, right, uh, they're talking about economics. Okay, right, well, Islam says about riba and, and uh, about charity. And I was able to apply that. And basically, because I, I, I finished number one in all the classes, every time we had group work, everyone wanted to work with me. And basically, for, 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 for me, first of all, it was a vindication, but secondly, for 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 even everyone else they they had to there was a bit of humble pie that they had to eat that wow like, well, okay you know how we underestimated this guy but this, this humble pakistani education um you know actually it was formidable or what a pakistani education or, or quranic education and like he, he, he
0: sort of i think topped the class he uh, top, he, he,
1: he, yeah he topped the class exactly he topped the class and and uh you know the honors and all that type of stuff so uh so it's amazing
0: The first time I heard that story, I was like amazed because what he said was I was the only one who took the Qur'an to my classroom. So this question, it wasn't like a physical thing, took the Qur'an back to the classroom. It was that he was viewing international politics through the lens of the quran yeah, and right. i was like wow the first time i heard that i was like that's interesting because i had never heard something like that and with the second golden age uh, i mean for the uh, ones who don't know this is exactly our um, sort of philosophy behind the second golden age is that we recognized how the scholars of the past essentially in all of their in, in their study of medicine mathematics you name it, physics, whatever. It was the Quran that was at the backdrop. Mm. It was the Quran that was sort of framing their ideas, their sort of views on all of these subjects. So Sheikh Amran would be like a modern scholar, essentially sort of embodying that attitude. And the way he does that, it's it's just so interesting. All of the, I mean, name it, whatever um, problems that we have in, understanding Islam, name it, uh, let, let's talk about uh, the Islamic eschatology, let's take the subject of Gog and Magog, or anything, he, or even evolution. I, I can even sort of discuss evolution from this uh, perspective. What he says, what Sheikh Rahman Hussain uh, essentially, the methodology that he gives, which can be attributed to uh, Maulana Fazul Rahman Ansari, and for people who are aware, even the earlier sort of Mufassirun, the ones who do the tafsir of the Quran, insist on this. But it's such a thing that many a times you sort of, uh, scholars sort of disregard it, because it's such a, like a basic rule. And lots of problems arise because of that. Sheikh Imran Sen is like sort of very clear in stating his methodology for the study of any subject. Mm. Uh, like I said, let's take a uh, miraculous Zaman. He says, not only number one, of course we discussed how the Quran explains all things and this has to be taken like rule number one. So if you're gonna find solutions to X, Y, Z problem, you have to take the Quran as your first step. Number two is then, how is the methodology to study the Quran? There has to be a sort of set way. How do I extract? the explanations that i'm seeking from the quran that has to be done in a way so now we have two different types of religious texts we have the quran we have the hadith many a times the problem arises in our understanding of any religious matter is when we are equating the hadith with the quran
1: the quran Mm
0: -hmm. Throughout, I mean, these 1400 years, nobody has doubted the primacy and the superiority of the Quran over all religious texts. Even the statements of the Prophet, he insisted that my statements should not be written, even when the Sahaba wanted to write down the Hadith. So the Quran has to stand in judgment of the Hadith. It's not Mm. the other way around. Rule number one his methodology and then when you have that the Quran has to be understood as a system as a system of meaning this idea of the system of meaning is from uh, Moulana Fazlul Rahman Ansari who's the teacher of Sheikh Imran Hussein, that a verse cannot be taken in isolation it has to be understood as a whole through so mm-hmm. what does the Quran say about a subject as a whole not mm-hmm. in isolation but if we have these two rules: never take a verse of the Quran in isolation, and never equate any other religious text, for example, the Hadith, with the Quran, you're gonna get solutions. You're gonna get answers to the most complex of problems. Uh, and uh, you're to gonna me,
1: actually oh, see sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So, 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 so. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I uh, just wanted to give an example because I think you know, um, you know. People might not understand. Okay, okay. How how can you use that in a real life example? So I think um, if the problem sometimes when you take verses in isolation is that it can actually twist you in knots. You can get confused and things like that. So to give you an example, the hadith, the 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 ayat about um, uh, Iblis. uh, So uh, you know, in one place it says, "Oh, um, and the he commanded the angels to bow down to Adam." Uh, and they're all well, on except Eblis, right? So okay. if, with that, you you'd think, oh, okay, so he's an angel as well, or oh, he's a fallen angel. So that's in line with the Christian kind of thing. Either oh, you think, oh, okay, um, yeah, that's what he is. But then it's somewhere else. It says he's, uh, uh, you know, he's the father About of the Jin, and he made a fire and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So and so so if you were to just look at that on its own, you 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 can get really really confused. But when you look at that in conjunction with all the other verses on Iblis and stuff, then you be—that's how we can come to the conclusion: Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, this is—he's—he's uh, he's actually not an angel; he's a jinn.
0: Exactly, exactly. And you know, for all matters, I I tried using the same uh, methodology for subjects of science. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. You can take basically to build a system of meaning, you get Mm -hmm. all of the ayat that talk about a particular subject, and then you build your opinion based on that. So if you were to cherry pick one ayat, many times the the, the conclusion that you're going to draw is going to be so like completely the opposite of what the reality is. Like in this case, Iblis being an angel, because the ayat clearly says everyone fell down in prostration except Iblis. It clearly says as if Iblis is uh, sort of one of the angels. So. his clarification of this is so I mean I can't tell you you have scholars who give you answers to xyz problems like Mm -hmm. uh, what do you say about xyz and they give you a solution but very few scholars will give you like a uh, will empower you with a methodology so Sheikh Mm -hmm. Ram Hussein is one of those. he literally empowers his students whoever has to listen to him with this methodology this is the way you understand the Quran Go take it, and then you will understand the most complex subject.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and so, so it's interesting because a few years ago, w- one of our conferences, I asked him to, I said, that, look, I want, it's, it's really hard to distill all of that c- complexity into a half an hour talk, but please try. So I said that, I said that, so I said that look, cri- I want you to, to call it the art of critical thinking. Uh, and, and let us explain kind of what it is that, you know, uh, how, do, how can someone become a critical thinker? Um, and what's quite interesting, this is what I say about you know really really like intelligent people is that they can distill really complex things into very simple terms, right? And so he said that look, ultimately he he said that the Quran is like the stars, right? It's about you uh, and what how the stars used to work in, in history is that the, the, it used to guide the ship's home they would follow the pattern of the stars and they could see where the north star was and it, it would guide them right and they, they they knew how to connect the stars um, in order to guide the way right and um, but he said that ultimately it comes down to two things that's it zikr and fikr that's it zikr is the constant recitation of the quran and fikr is the constant contemplation of the quran right so so, so yeah so with regard to zikr so this is where uh, the first part of his um, his kind of um, system comes in, which is reciting the Quran cover to cover every thirty days right and and but not in the traditional manner of you know one chapter a day one, uh, one chapter a day he 's actually got a, a, a system uh, for that as well um, and the second um, and, uh, because, obviously because of the key reason for the, the zikr part of it is because of of the key belief. Of epistemology right how does knowledge the sources of knowledge how does knowledge actually come to you and the problem with this day and age is that we think knowledge is brain we think it's all our oh, data and logic and let me have a think about this and let me just grasp this and let me analyze this and anal- and that's part of, uh, and the if I this is why we're actually in this kind of dazed and confused state because we we've, we've depended so much on that our external uh, faculty but um but a lot of where the ancients and how it used to come was from within, right? Insight. Insight and got instinct and all of these things we've kind of suppressed and oh, we don't listen to it's the knowledge of the heart, right? Um and so what that's what what constant recitation of the Quran does is that it, it really um uh exacerbates and and uh you know nurtures that ability to have insight. and so that's the first thing. So once you have that dhikr part and you're doing that regularly, then you're ready to now contemplate on the on the thicker side of it, which is the system of meaning that's really talking about, basically.
0: And I mean, this this idea maybe you would uh, uh, talk about uh, the idea of the two C's. Uh, tell yeah. us more about. It.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So this is this is it. I, I mean, like, this was um, uh, what uh, you know. We talked a lot about old No in previous episode. Basically, old No was predicated on literally this this literal this. Uh, in Surah Kaaf, uh, where um, the, story, the famous story in Surah of Kaaf is where Hazmusa uh, Musa meets uh, Khidr al-Isra, right? And um, he meets him at the juncture of the Two Seas, where the Two Seas meet, al Bahrain, right? And so, basically, Surah Kaaf is recognized as the Surah for our age. It's the Surah of the last, you know, it's the one that we recite for for practice to the jar and there's so much symbolism, so much meaning in every single thing. But you know, with, with the, the two Cs, that hasn't really been explained by those scholars. That that's just all oh, That's just where they met, right? How the Sheikh um, uh, explained that is that look, the two Cs is um, a symbolic language for um, the sea of external, uh, the ex- external knowledge, and of internal insight basically that, that's where the two meet, and we need to find a balance between only when you have a balance between these two things do you see the world as it is because again if you look at the, the actual story of uh, Hussein, uh Hussein, is that almost actually was going to him with external knowledge oh this the, the that uh that why are you killing that boy or why are you affecting why are you like breaking the ship but Hussein had actually had internal knowledge and so this, yeah, and so and so this is and this is what we've kind of done is that for us we're very either various Islamic knowledge only, and or, and are, and and then and or we're very secular Western knowledge only, and never the two shall meet. And 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 actually that's the completely the wrong thing. It's when you bring both together, you get the harmony of how of seeing the world as it should be. And this is where you go into then top of thinking, about, we're talking about the end times and the jar and all that kind of stuff because, why, 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 what's the link? The link is that he's going to, you know, he's the great deceiver, right? And so in his age, it's, it's going to be full of deception. Appearance is going to be one thing and reality is going to be another. And so if you only see the world with one eye or with this limited view, you're going to be those who see his uh, appearance as your reality right and not as it really is and stuff and so yeah. that's why and, so, and this is why again if you look at we're back to the, off, the very first ayah is what is all about you sent down the book that contains no crookedness in it so no crookedness exactly. what does that mean so just pondering on it, it means that okay this book has got no crookedness in it at all so it's completely straight meaning that everything else you know has some form of crookedness in it so that means that this is your yardstick for truth Right. If you are struggling to navigate yourself in the world, isn't that hold hold on to this book because it will guide the way. It's like a compass, essentially.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And maybe we require another episode to cover that because that's a very deep topic. And people have, <laughs> I mean, really uh, spoken about that. What is the role of spiritual knowledge? Essentially, if we see the Quran, essentially, is spiritual knowledge. I mean, yeah. it was revealed without any cause literally to a man who Mm. couldn't read or write. So Mm. nowadays we have this conception of knowledge, which is something that you get from universities and it's physical in the sense it's in books. You read it, you get it, you work hard for it, but there is a kind of knowledge and the Quran insists that that kind of knowledge has no causal links in the sense Mm. you don't have like a physical cause to attain that knowledge. It's just given straight away from Allah. And the Quran is the biggest example of that sort of knowledge. But maybe we'll discuss it in another episode in detail because there's so much more to it. And But yeah. of course, the, the good point that you've made is that one of our core ideologies at no, is that where do you have uh, an organization, an institute that literally brings this Majma'ul Bahrain, that this mixing of the two seas? Like you very rightly said, you either have like, I- Islamic institutions or you have like uh, secular institutions. Uh, I think it was around the colonial period when it ended. You had uh, sort of efforts within the Muslim world. To That's frozen.
1: Okay, so it's uh, frozen. Um, I think uh, you were saying that there was uh, efforts uh, just after the colonial period to marry the two up, um, but obviously these weren't done um, to full force of justice, or um, they didn't sort of stand has the time. I mean, it's interesting because I um, was speaking to someone, uh, well, I, I was not speaking, I was having like a online conversation with someone, and they were actually saying that they're from, uh, another from there's a story of a couple of scholars from Azerbaijan, uh, and uh, they were like brothers, and this is at the turn of the century, so 19th century, at uh, around so 1900 onwards. And um, basically, they were of oh, look, if we do not start teaching children, or if you want a reformation of the school system, is that look, if we do not teach um, the children, um like sort of. Uh, Western subject science and math, and I don't know. We keep saying Western subjects, they're not Western, but you know, you can, um, then he goes, then our next generation are going to be, you know, cleaning the floors for the, the Europeans and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's what but they, but the fortunately at the time, this was considered a heresy. It was like, oh my god, you're going against our Islamic institutions and you're saying that's not enough and you know, how dare you and all that kind of stuff. So, unfortunately, they were killed, right? And that's very reflective of the the you know the type of um thinking that's kind of dogged us a little bit uh there's um the, uh, the you know, famous uh, sort of philosopher and thinker uh, he actually said that the ummah has had the problem of they stopped thinking uh, about 500 years ago right so and if you actually look at you know when the golden age started to decline it's probably quite valid in saying that so i think that's it for this episode i think that obviously Sabrina had a few technical issues but um, inshallah, we'll uh, we'll call it an end there, and inshallah, we'll see you on the next one. So,